Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 540. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And we're joined by one of our bays from Patreon this week, Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, but your voice sounds familiar. Oh, that's right. We just <laughs> surprise pitched you like two weeks ago. I know. It's so exciting. I ugh, This is so great to be able to talk to all of you again. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. You are a therapist, right? Yes. So I am a psychologist in Florida. I actually, I just graduated in 2018 and then just got my license a couple of months ago in September. So I'm pretty new as a professional. Congratulations. That's very exciting. Thank you. Enjoying it so far? Yes. It was a lot of work. I'm a little exhausted. We're going to spend some time today speaking to you about being a therapist and how you're enjoying it. And you also know a few things about mindfulness and meditation. So we're going to talk about all of that. Hopefully you can teach us a few things. Hopefully hopefully you can teach our listeners a few things as well. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And and just by coincidence, by the way, it, it was Morgan's turn to be the millennial co-host just two weeks after it was her turn to be our surprise bitch victim. I did a double take. I was like, wait, what? This hasn't happened before. <laughs> Yeah, that's like some Jedi mind trick shit. Did you pull some... Oh, oh, Laura's helping with our transition, Pam. (laughs) Thanks. I was going to go with speaking of crazy timing, but Laura's is way better than mine. Um, PSA for Star Wars fans far and wide and also just casual Star Wars fans, because I'm sure if you're a big fan, you already know this. But the final trailer for Rise of Skywalker is actually set to debut sometime tonight during ESPN's um, Monday Night Football game. So yay sports, but also that means we don't really know exactly what time it's going to drop, just sometime around halftime. So any of you sporty people out there probably know a little bit more about what that means in terms of a time frame. But um, this is also doubly exciting, especially for those of you that are looking to go when the film opens on December 20th, because after the final trailer drops, Disney and Lucasfilm are actually going to be releasing the advanced ticket sales, and they'll be available to purchase everywhere tickets are sold. So that's super exciting, but also very nerve wracking, especially if you've had to vie for tickets like this before. Sites like Fandango and Adam, they have a knack for crashing whenever an influx of traffic comes for these big event movies. So I'll also be looking forward to seeing if that happens again. And for a movie like Star Wars, you want to get your tickets as quickly as possible, especially if you go to a theater with reserved seating, right? 100%, especially in, um, you know, for like IMAX and stuff like that, limited seating and also assigned seating. So if you're going with a big group, 
definitely mm. something that you have to plan for. I, I know I'm like joking about this, but it's serious business. <laughs> so I understand the struggle. So Pam has a post ready to go on Hypable as soon as the trailer is released. And if it is released as we record tonight, then Pam will disappear for a couple minutes to pop that trailer in and hit publish. Right. So if I'm extra quiet this episode, you all will know why. I just want you to scream, it's here, it's here, the final trailer. You don't Be want me right to go, back. breaking news. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, you that have to like news. scream it like a blood curdling scream. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Lucasfilm has been marketing this film as the final movie in this three part trilogy, which I call bullshit on because when they made the first trilogy and the second trilogy, they weren't imagining that one day they would have this final trilogy. Well, yeah, but it's it's also like accumulation of nine parts total when you take into account like episodes one through three and episodes four through six. I think that the most interesting thing about this is that, you know, this is a journey that has captivated audiences for multiple generations. We I, I don't yeah. think we might never see anything like that again in our lifetime, you know? It's like you have things like James Bond, but it's not really the same. So I have right. a question. Are they saying this is the end of this particular trilogy? Or are they yes. saying no, Allegedly, yeah. no so more it's the Star Wars the end of episodes. what they're calling the Skywalker saga, which is everything from right. the original Lucas trilogy and then the, the one that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then this next crop of three. Got yeah. you. But here's the thing. They could definitely do more episodic movies, just not with these characters, right? Exactly. They actually could do more episodic stories with some of these characters. They could launch a spin-off trilogy with Poe or Ray or Finn. Right. And and it it should also be mentioned since you're bringing that up. Disney Plus is also going to be home to a few different series that kind of center around characters that are either extensions of this particular strand of the Star Wars universe and also directly related. So like there's the Obi-Wan series that's coming out. The Mandalorian is like loosely connected as well. Um, that's the big John Favreau series. And then also there's one more. Oh, yeah. Um, there is an offshoot of Rogue One, which was a Star Wars story. So that was like a standalone, but it kind of slots itself between um, the beginning of the original trilogy. The so. Game of Thrones creators are working on their own yeah. trilogy. Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, is working on his own movie. There's going to be plenty more Star Wars to come. But mm -hmm. like Pam said, this is the end of the Skywalker saga. I heard in tonight's trailer, they're actually going to debut a brand new character named Pierre Delecto. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? I heard that too. Um, I think the internet found out that this is an alter ego for Mitt Romney. Oh, shit. Mitt Romney to be in the next Star Wars movie. Wow. <laughs> Who can believe it? That is so white. <laughs> I mean, I, have I thought to they say, were trying to make these films more diverse. Do they have any Mormons in the Star Wars movies? <laughs> <laughs> but so I just have to say, I think Pierre Delecto, who, by the way, is Mitt Romney's like seeker Twitter alias where he's been shitting on President Trump, connecting with 
his grandchildren and then telling reporters, oh, by the way, I have a secret Twitter account. It has exactly 668 (laughs) followers, but you'll never find it. Right. (laughs) They found it it, it, like two seconds later. And it follows Conan O'Brien and these NFL players. Like he gave a bunch of different clues. Yeah. And also he follows a bunch of his own grandchildren. Ugh. And that's how they found it, right through one of his grandchildren's yeah. followers list. I mean, I will say, I think it's cowardly as fuck, but I also think that Pierre Delecto, the side of Mitt Romney, seems a lot more fun than Mitt Romney. Yeah, well, that documentary, Mitt, I've spoken about that on the show before. I actually like Mitt after watching that documentary. I think it's on Netflix, maybe HBO? Yeah. But yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, this story came out this week. And it's just funny because here's a politician who you probably would not have guessed was on Twitter, but he's been operating the secret Twitter account in which he follows a bunch of people to keep tabs on them. And then he also tweets them with (laughs) messages that support himself, but the real self, Mitt Romney. Right. (laughs) So after I saw this, because he was literally replying to other politicians and mm-hmm. being like, yeah, well, not Romney. Romney didn't do that. Romney did this. <laughs> it was Romney basically stood up to Trump. Yeah, I I tweeted about this, and I was like, creating uh, a secret Twitter account to give props to yourself is like the inside the Beltway version of writing yourself a love letter from a secret admirer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a chicken shit thing to do, though. Come on, man. Like, well. Should he have tweeted these things from at Mitt Romney or should he just not have said them at all? I think there was a way to say them that was professional. That would have been appropriate given his position. Because it just makes him look like yet another one of these Republicans who wasn't willing to come out and say everything that they were thinking about how unconscionable this whole situation is, but wasn't willing to put his skin in the game to do it. Yeah. So I didn't really have much respect for Mitt Romney anyway. So (laughs) this wasn't a loss for me. It was just funny. I like this one tweet. It says, don't read the comments ever. (laughs) (laughs) Relatable. (laughs) Agree. But I was wondering, have any of you ever set up a private Twitter account or like a secret Twitter account to reply to people too much work Mm-mm. yeah that's too, too much, much work. work yeah i've made parody twitter accounts <laughs> yes you have you um, made one for emerson i did I'm sure we've said that on the show before <laughs> yeah no i'm not trying to hide that um i also <laughs> you know about this andrew there was a point in time where a couple of us um made fake twitter profiles for famous serial killers and we started mm. replying to your tweets um i'm afraid i don't remember that yeah i'm pretty sure we told you about it but at any rate at one point we had a jeffrey dahmer account and you replied to us which was fucking hilarious um all right (laughs) and why were you doing this i don't remember (laughs) i don't remember it's just this dumb thing so i haven't created twitter accounts that are fake people i have made a couple of private twitter accounts so i can tweet without it going to a large audience i don't 
this is going to sound very egotistical, but I don't like that I have 17,000, 18,000 followers on Twitter. I feel a lot of pressure to make my tweets good. So I have another Twitter account. It's at NotTheSims. It's private. And I just tweet whatever I want. And I don't feel bad because it's a smaller audience and I can get away with my real opinions on things. Oh, Andrew, I think you should uh, share some of those tweets on After Dark. (laughs) They're not particularly scandalous. I just feel less pressure tweeting from that account because, like I said, smaller audience. Yeah. So, Morgan, let's turn our attention to you now. We want to talk to you about your career. Remind us again, when did you start? What types of therapy do you practice? And how are you liking it so far? So I started graduate school for psychology in 2013. And I graduated in 2018. Um, And then from 2018 to 2019, I did a residency. And then I became licensed. So I... So right now I'm actually, as my first official job as a licensed psychologist, I'm working in a high school. Um, And then part-time, I'm trying to build a private practice because it's really hard to do that, especially in South Florida, because there's a ton of therapists. So I figured a full-time job would sort of keep me stable while I'm trying to build a practice on the side. Um, Sounds smart. Yeah. (laughs) So the type of therapy I like to do, um, and I could explain this more if you need me to, it's called psychodynamic therapy and it it really focuses on getting to the root and the history of the problems and where they came from and using that insight and understanding to then change for the future Hmm. it it has a little bit of a stigma against it Uh, most people these days like um cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy focusing on thoughts and behaviors but i i just found that i i really like learning a lot about people and their history and their entire life and how it shaped who they are. Well, that makes a lot of sense in trying to help people. You need to know their backstory. But I love therapy. (laughs) As do all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Only recommend it on the show every episode. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I am a frequent flyer of therapy. (laughs) So big fan. Taking lots of trips to that couch. God, I wish I could get points. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That would be great. Just put like it on a credit card. Like every six months, you get $10 off. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a burden on you mentally because you're spending a ton of time in this profession? You're hearing people open up in ways they only do with you. And then you there's this pressure to help them out. They're depending on you. Yeah, it can be really hard, especially because I can't really talk about my day. Um, mm. So what I typically try to do is consult and get my own supervision and, and work through anything that I'm struggling with. Typically, I'm pretty good at setting boundaries and I'm able to separate myself from what happened in the therapy room. Um, the worst time, so since I'm in South Florida, I um, in one of my rotations when I was in graduate school, I worked with students from Stoneman Douglas after the shooting. And I think that was, oh, wow. the, yeah, that was the first time that it was really, really hard for me. I remember laying in bed about to sleep, thinking to myself, how, like, I know all of these kids are laying in bed right now and they can't sleep. Like, just thinking about them. It was, that, that was the hardest time. Yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like to take that onto yourself, you know, and then you can't talk about it a lot. 
Yeah. So then you end up carrying some of that burden. How, how yeah. does that work for you? Really consulting with um, my supervisors and other professionals really helps me. But then I also try to have fun and try to live my own personal life on the side. And I mean, sometimes it's hard, but I think just with practice and over time, it gets easier. I'm not sure. Did, did that answer the question? Yeah, it yeah. does. You just go out and rage. That's what you said. <laughs> Yeah. And of course I go to my own therapy. I always think no one should be a therapist unless they've experienced therapy themselves. That's my own bias. Do you think everybody in your profession goes to therapy? I don't think all of them do, but I think all of them should at one point. Mm. Do you currently have one? I do. Yes. And yeah. All right. Maybe I shouldn't ask that. Um, you could ask. <laughs> no, no. Well, I was going to say, are, do you bring up your client's stories to your therapist? I bring up how I'm impacted by the stories, okay. but yeah. Com so yeah, confidentiality is really important in yeah. therapy. Yeah. So when you filled out our co-host form, you had also mentioned that you teach or practice mindfulness and meditation. What does it mean to practice mindfulness? Yes. Okay. So before I go into the details about this, I just want to say a little disclaimer that whatever I say is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. Um, yeah, so mindfulness is just the ability to be in the present moment without worrying about the past or the future. It's really just a simple mm -hmm. act of trying to be in the present moment with what's going on with your thoughts, your feelings, your body sensations, your surroundings. And you can practice that through, there's so many different ways. And meditation is one way to practice it. What are the benefits of this and meditation? So many benefits. If you go look in research, you could find so much, but decreased depression, decreasing anxiety, better sleep, improved communication and relationships, decreased loneliness. Um, and I think there's some research showing that it helps decrease blood pressure and it helps with our physical health as well. Can you give us some quick tips like right now? How can we work meditation yes. and mindfulness into our daily lives? Or even yes. right now on the show, guide us through something. Oh, yeah. You want me to? For real? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. I'm down. I need to okay. relax. Okay. Now, do you want a meditation? Hmm. I could do something really quick um about three minutes if you're okay with that Heck sure yeah let's okay. do it okay so this exercise is called leaves on a stream and i like to use this to just accept our thoughts and recognize that we're not trying to get rid of them but just accept them okay so I'll, I'll, this will be quick okay so just sit in a comfortable position and <sighs> either close your eyes mm-hmm or rest them gently on a fixed spot in the room. Mine are closed. Okay. <laughs> Mine are too. I'm doing my deep breathing. Same. Yes. <laughs> Visualize yourself sitting beside a gently flowing stream with leaves floating along the surface of the water. Mm. Take each thought that enters your mind and place it on a leaf and let it float by. Do this with each thought, pleasurable, painful, or neutral. Even if you have joyous or enthusiastic thoughts, 
place them on a leaf and let them float by. Allow the stream to flow at its own pace. Don't try to speed it up and rush your thoughts along. You're not trying to rush the leaves along or get rid of your thoughts. You are allowing them to come and go at their own pace. If your mind says, this is dumb, I'm bored, or I'm not doing this right, place those thoughts on leaves too and let them pass. If a difficult or painful feeling arises, simply acknowledge it. Simply say to yourself, I notice myself having a feeling of boredom, impatience, frustration, and place those thoughts on leaves and allow them to float along. From time to time, your thoughts may hook you and distract you from being fully present in this exercise. This is normal. As soon as you realize that you have become sidetracked, gently bring your attention back to the exercise. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Oh, the screen. Wow. Whoa, that was bright. That was nice. That yeah. was so great. Awesome. And that was I only feel so like good. two minutes. You have such a soothing <laughs> tone. I put the show doc on one of the leaves. So now I don't know how to <laughs> continue with today's show. <laughs> so you were very well spoken and very well paced while you did that. Were you just reading something or did you have that in your memory? So I was reading. This is my go-to short meditation. I was reading mm. off of it because I didn't want to mess up. But a lot mm. of times in session, I do just try to go off of memory to be in the moment yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I love that visual, the leaves mm -hmm. drifting on the water. What was so cool about it for me was that when I was drifting, like away from the exercise, you always had a way to rope me back in um, where you were like, if you feel like you're not doing this right, put that thought on a leaf. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for people who don't have this type of information readily available, are there apps out there that help people practice meditation? Yes, there are. Um, so there's Headspace. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. That's a really mm -hmm. good one people like. Yeah. And then I actually, some clients recommended to me two apps. One is called Insight Timer and another one is called Calm. I use the Calm app. Yeah. Do I you really like, like it? it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have, um, they have guided meditations and then they have self-led ones. I usually mm -hmm. go for the guided because I just, I want somebody to tell me to be calm. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. Be calm. That's our closing song today. <laughs> the Apple Watch also has a breathe app and it can send you a few reminders each day saying, hey, close your eyes right now. Let's focus on our breathing. It'll kind of pulsate to guide you through the breathing. I actually really like that because it does help steady me and just clear my head and close my eyes for a minute. Yeah, that's really neat. Mm -hmm. So I, a lot of people don't like meditation and, and that's okay. So just one other quick technique that people can do to practice mindfulness is to just be aware of their five senses. So to just stop for a moment and try to pay attention to all of the senses and see what they hear, what they see, what they smell, what they taste, and what they feel. 
And that just grounds you in the present moment. And that right there is just being mindful. I love that. Yeah. Especially because what you said earlier, we're always thinking about the past or the future. We're not just thinking about be happy where you are right now. Be happy that we're sitting here right now, just talking like friends at home at the end of a workday, just chilling and learning from one another. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Seize the day. (laughs) And you're getting some rave reviews right now in our Discord chat. Um, Kate said, that gave me some serious ASMR tingles. (laughs) And JY said, my breathing naturally slowed down during the exercise. Mm. Oh, well, I appreciate the opportunity to even do that for you guys. So thank you. So Morgan, we frequently say on the show here, get a therapist, get a therapist, get a therapist. (laughs) We say it nicer than that. When is the right time for someone to look into a therapist? Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Yeah, I am totally biased. Um, I think prevention is always the best option. But really, if you notice that you're just holding on to something and it's becoming too much for you, reach out and try to find someone. And there's a lot of therapy can be really, really expensive, but there's a lot of affordable options now. Um, And is it okay if I just mention a couple? Yeah. Yeah, please. Yes. So, well, so a lot of times people have a hard time finding a therapist just because there aren't enough therapists in their community. And so something new that's going on is just online video therapy. So people who are licensed can typically see anybody in the entire state. So I would recommend for people to first see if there's a therapist somewhere located in their state and then just reach out and ask if they would be willing to do video therapy. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a website called, I think it's called Open Path Collective, where you do have to pay a one-time fee and provide them with documentation, but then they validate that you don't have enough income to pay more than $60 a session. And then they have a directory of therapists who want to offer sliding scale spots. That, and they cannot charge you more than $60 a session. And some of them go as low as $30 a session. Hmm. Wow, that's great. Because I know one of the most common things I hear from people about why they don't seek out therapy is because they don't have insurance or their yeah. insurance doesn't provide ample enough coverage for therapy. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty hard as a therapist to even get paneled on insurance these days, at least in Florida. So when somebody starts, they're probably pretty nervous. I know I was nervous when I got started with Talkspace because you have to catch somebody up on your whole life, basically. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my goodness, we have a lot to get through. So what tips do you have for someone who's starting out and what should they expect? So it definitely is awkward when you first go to therapy and it's really scary. And it's it's really hard to find a therapist that you connect with. So I would suggest to not be afraid to ask the therapist their style in therapy and see if they offer a free phone or video consultation. Most therapists will do this. And when, whenever you're doing that consultation, really pay attention to how you feel talking to them because therapy is so much, it's so much about the connection that you feel with that therapist and that comfort and safety. And also expect to feel really, really weird. And especially when there's silence to just feel totally awkward and not know what to say. Also, don't be afraid to change therapists if, you're, if you really don't mesh well with them. It, 
it sometimes it could take a few tries to find someone that you really work with. And then also don't be afraid to tell your therapist if you're upset with them or don't like them or you're angry with them. Some mm. of the best sessions I've ever had were, were when clients straight up told me, I don't like you at all. Really? And yes. The best sessions came out from that. And you say. <laughs> so I just, I just let them express how they feel. And then I try to explore with them where those feelings came from. And a lot of the times it's not something specific with me, but something that maybe, maybe I reminded them of something in their life and it's easier to be mad at me than the person that, that they're really mad at. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And they continue working with you? Yeah. Hmm. Not nice. always. I have had a couple that fired me and that's okay too. And also therapists are human and they make mistakes. So I try to really, if someone's mad at me and I'm like, you know, maybe I did mess up there. I own it because I, I think it's okay to make mistakes and not be perfect. And how could I expect my client to be okay with not being perfect if I can't do the same thing with them? Plus you're new. So you're learning as everybody is, no matter how far in their career they are. Yes, definitely. So we spend a lot of time on this show and we're trying to spend less, but um, in the news and just in day-to-day life, we are constantly inundated with Trump and all of his antics. And I was wondering if this is a common topic that people bring and, and sort of how you would even approach as a therapist talking about how people's mental health is impacted by the current political climate. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) this is definitely brought up a lot. (laughs) Um, It's really for me and my style of therapy, I tried to let them express all of their feelings and let them have that safe space to express it without feeling judged. Um, Because I've actually had clients on both sides. And Mm. yeah, sometimes it's a little hard for me. So that's why I have supervision. Um, but I really try to always remind myself that I'm I'm in the therapy session to focus on them and not on me. Okay. Yeah, but no, no, they're definitely it's coming up a lot, and people are really, really struggling with everything that's going on. Aww. Do you say to them, "Well, make sure you vote in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> We're here in a swing state." <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do sometimes try to explore the benefits of voting and how that would make them feel and empower them (laughs) (laughs) it makes me feel good yeah (laughs) well it makes me feel good that like because i feel like we say all the time that we're so tired it just makes me feel a little bit better about myself that most people feel that way so that's good to know yeah because a lot of the time people don't talk about how trump being president is actually affecting their mental health but I think one of the benefits of Trump being president, believe it or not, is that it's making people more aware of the political landscape and the effects that a president can have on this country. And I think going forward, everybody who is following this shit show right now is going to be paying very close attention to what happens in any future presidency. Mm -hmm. Like, to be honest, I wasn't following what was going on when Obama was president. The big stuff, of course, but I wasn't checking New York Times every day in the Washington Post. Now I'm opening those apps up every day. I'm like, oh, my God, what's happened now? 
Yeah. And it, it has to take a toll on people when you go from that place of sort of trusting your elected leaders enough to kind of like only check in once a week to right. see what's going on. And now we're in a place where it's like we feel like we constantly have to be connected and monitoring what's going on because this administration just tries to, you know, slip shit under the table. And I know that's not what this topic is right now, but I can definitely see why it would impact people's mental health more because I think there is a degree of trust that's been lost. Yeah. What other topics come up a lot in therapy, if you can say? Yeah. Um, relationships that not just romantic relationships, but family relationships. I mm. see that all the time, just lack of communication. Um, mm. A lot of anxiety about not being good enough. I see that a lot. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I should come see you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I feel like she's talking about me. I've been thinking about this a lot as well. That's why I hate editing myself because I just critique every little thing. What? Yeah. Obviously, this would take more time than we have to dig into, but what's like the number one thing you tell people when they're struggling with that anxiety and sort of doubting themselves? The number one thing. It's okay to not be perfect. And we all have this might sound a little cheesy, but we all have like a dark and a light side to ourselves. And it's okay to sort of embrace that dark side of us and accept it and accept that we're not perfect. Because the more that we try to push it away and avoid it, the more it will impact us. Hmm. That's so interesting, because I feel like people oftentimes try to make that dark side of themselves invisible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and that's what can lead to so much anxiety and depression and not feeling like you're being your real self. So interesting. Do you feel like this is a big problem for our age group, like millennials? Or is this across the board? It knows no age group or race or gender. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's definitely across the board. But from the people I've worked with, I've seen it most with like our age and younger adults. Well, that's like this good perfectionism. to know, I yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah. I wonder if it has to do with participation awards. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know we're not alone. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's that's like one of the most important things that I think about a lot. You're not alone. I think, did I mention this recently? Every person out there has something that they think they're alone on. But the fact is a million other people have already gone through that. Unfortunately, I guess That's you could true. say, but it's really hard mm -hmm. to remember because you just stew in your own problems and you think, oh, I'm the only one who possibly could have had this issue and could be thinking about it this way and thinking about it so much. That actually kind of reminded me of a, of a question that I had. Um, you know, obviously we we're in an age right now where mental health has never been more represented in popular media. And also more and more people are talking about it, like World Mental Health Day was earlier this month. Would you say that that ultimately hurt, hurts or helps people that are really going through it? Because this is something that I think about a lot, especially since you work with um, kids in high school, you were mentioning, mm -hmm. I, I do kind of wonder. So how it's represented? Um, 
Yeah, does that ultimately like hurt hurt or help um the general public, would you say? I'm I'm torn on this because the part of me that likes these shows, um, like I really like them, but I would say I haven't seen one show yet or a movie that has accurately represented therapy, in my opinion. I, I do know that um, 13 Reasons Why does not reflect this in school psychologists. It does not reflect the recommendations and that there was an increase in adolescent and teenage suicide after it came out. Hmm. And there were, there have been quite a few times where I've been working with students or with clients and I had, and they had expectations about what therapy would be or what would happen. And I had to clarify what it actually would look like. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. All right. Well, thank you, Morgan, for all that. That was very insightful. Thank you. I hope I answered all your questions. You did. did. And I'm sure you're going to be answering many more before (laughs) we're done today. Yeah, I, I love it. We'll be making our own confessions later today. So maybe you can also offer some therapy or some meditation during that. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a couple of news stories to talk about today, and we will get to them in a moment. But first, we have a new sponsor this week who wants to help you improve your smile. I told everyone a while ago on this show that I don't love my smile. I always resented my parents for getting my brother and sister braces, but not bothering to offer them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the one moving out to L.A. where it's it seems like it's law that you need perfect teeth. Being out there made me feel insecure when it came to my smile, unfortunately. So if you're like me and you think you could maybe improve your smile... I want you to take a look at Candid. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes about six months on average. But what makes them better than wired braces, of course, is you just pop on the aligners. And an experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. Then they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look when you're done. That way you know what you'll be working towards. Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. They'll also ship directly to you, so there's no hassle of going to an orthodontist's office. Plus, Candid costs 65% less than braces. Get your photo-ready smile at least partly in action by the holidays. Go to candidco.com M-I-L-L and use code M-I-L-L to get $75 off. That's candidco.com M-I-L-L, code M-I-L-L for $75 off. One more time, candidco.com slash M-I-L-L, code M-I-L-L, as in you will have a million dollar smile once you're done with Candid. All right, so a little news now. Laura, you love Pew Reports. I recently found a Pew 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 report of my own. The portion of Americans with no religious affiliation is rising significantly in tandem with a sharp drop in the percentage that identifies as Christians, according to new data from Pew, 65% of American adults now describe themselves as Christian, down from 77% in 2009, and meanwhile, the portion that describes their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, now stands at 26%, which is up from 17%, in 2009. So I was I wasn't necessarily surprised by this. In fact, I think we've spoken about it previously, 
but that was years ago. Here's more data showing that the trend is continuing. How do we currently define ourselves on this panel? Uh, no surprises here. I'm an atheist. Um, I am Roman Catholic, although leaning towards relapsed. R- what do you mean? I don't go to church every Sunday. Uh, I see. Okay. So my family is Jewish, but I don't really have any sort of affiliation. Okay. My parents would be disappointed to hear this, but I I feel like I am atheist as well. I used to be Catholic. I went to church every Saturday with the family. I went to Catholic school once a week, but it just fell out of my life. And now I'm like, I don't know if a God is really out there. You sound more agnostic than atheist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm in between the two right now. But uh, the Pew Report also found a steady decline in the rates of attendance at religious services. So why do you guys think there has been an increase in people who describe themselves as having no religious affiliation? A lot of the really strict, um, the like people that practice the religion to a T, a lot of the ideals are very outdated. So like, for example, um, it's no surprise that the Roman Catholic Church, for example, or even like Mormons are not so fond of the gays, but that's not something that you'll find in every um, parish. Mm -hmm. So I think, but I think that since like the, the, the general scope of these bigger Christian religions, um, like they're not, you know, just like, I think that there's like, yeah, there's just like a lot of archaic um, ideals that I don't really subscribe to. Obviously. I think that that's pretty apparent um, as far as what I've brought up on this show. But um, yeah, I think it's really interesting to talk to, um, you know, maybe like older generations that are super religious and then like the new wave of um, maybe even like millennials or Gen Zers that are religious, but, you know, don't necessarily agree with everything. I think it's a fine line. And that is interesting to me. But I also know that that's not like exactly the topic of discussion here. But I do think that it plays a role in why people kind of drop out. Yeah, I think and I agree, Pam, I think that this is a generational tendency um, to shy away from organized religion, but not necessarily spirituality or a personal religious belief. Mm. Maybe people are feeling more like, you know what, I don't necessarily need to, um, you know, sit in the pew every Sunday. I don't need to be part of a church community in order to have my belief. I actually had a really good friend when I was living abroad who was very Christian, very into her faith. And it was interesting for me being an atheist that she was not concerned about my everlasting salvation because I grew up in the South where it was like taboo to say that you were an atheist. In fact, when you met people for the first time, the first question they would ask you is what church do you go to? And I grew up lying about that because Hmm. I knew it was frowned upon not to go. But then I met this girl, her name was Melanie, and she did not care. Because in her mind, Christianity to her was about her relationship with Christ. 
And outside of that, she wasn't going to meddle in the lives of others or even feel like she was beholden to a particular institution. Yeah. So I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah. My feeling is just that people have other things going on in their lives and religion is less of a priority. People might not understand what it adds to their life, so they're not bothering to get involved with the religion that they grew up on, grew up in. It is a lot of these um, organized religions. It's a big time commitment. Yeah. Like you were saying, Um, like, for example, my stepmom's family is Lutheran and because it was important for my dad and her to make sure the kids um, were in a good school system. They sent them to the Lutheran school and there was a lot of volunteer work involved. And, you know, a lot of times like maybe if parents don't have time to put in the hours or to really be a part of the community, it can, can feel like, I, I don't think that you get the same experience as maybe somebody living in the Southwood going to like a smaller church, mm-hmm. you know, where it really does become your family. And I do wonder about that sense of community, because I feel like as a generation, and having the internet, we've been able to get that sense of community through fandom, I think is mm-hmm. is largely the thing that we all have in common here. And I wonder if that serves as a replacement for yeah. religious institutions that previous generations may have used. It's possible. I mean, like, even just using Harry Potter as an example, people talk a lot about, you know, the values that you can gain from reading the books about, like, love and not hating, um, you know, people that are different than you and stuff like that. And a lot of those things are also cornerstones of major um, religious organizations, but it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily take like everything if you choose to to get those life lessons um, in other places. Honestly, at the end of the day, like all religion is, is like a rule book so that you know how to live your life. And like, if you don't need that, I think that that's great. But I think a lot of people like it's kind of scary to think that a lot of people actually do need that. Like they need some reason to just be a good person. For a lot of people, they feel that higher power and they want to believe in a higher power and they really get something out of going to church every week. And I think that's great. I admire people who feel that way. I know a couple people who feel that way. And I kind of wish I felt that way. It'd be nice to sit down... (laughs) (laughs) for an hour and feel refreshed maybe that's what therapy is going to do for me at some point but um, for other people that's that's going to church and morgan kind of tying this together with the therapy angle is religion something that comes up a lot in therapy yeah and it could come up in so many different ways um so from my own personal experiences what i've seen um People actually getting abused by religious figures and trying to work through that betrayal. Yeah. Um, I've also seen a lot of people who sort of internalize the religious beliefs to the point where they think that they could only help others and can't take care of themselves. So I see that. That's probably the most of what I see when it comes to religion. That's so interesting. Yeah. This is obviously a very large topic and we could spend a lot of time on it. We won't today, but I did just want to mention it because 
as somebody who fell out of religion, I found this report very relatable. Agreed. What else is going on? Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of relatable, we're going to jump into some updates out of Washington here in a moment. But I did want to take a moment to acknowledge that Canada is having its federal election today. In fact, the votes are rolling in right now. It's still pretty early, but we didn't want to leave people hanging. Um, The last I saw, it looked like the Liberal Party was in the lead. But it's yeah, the Liberals have 21 seats right now. Conservatives have eight. But again, it's still really early and they need 170 seats for a majority. So it seems like it it could maybe be a long night. I remember when Trudeau was elected last time, it was over really quickly. So um, for the sake of all our Canadian listeners, I hope this isn't a drawn out process for y'all. But we'll keep... We're drinking some maple syrup for you tonight. In your <laughs> yeah, honor. we're thinking of you guys. Um because we've been through a shitstorm of an election. I know this has been really contentious and nasty for all of our neighbors up north. So um, we're not going to give you the thoughts and prayers syndrome. We're just going to say that we see you. We hear you. We're monitoring the situation. And if there are any major updates throughout the show, we'll definitely touch on them. But I know there's been a lot of anxiety about um, the future of Canada because Trudeau's been through a number of controversies lately, and it's not entirely clear whether or not he'll win a second term. Um, and if he doesn't, his opponent, uh, Scheer, is very, very conservative and reflective of the right wing swing that a lot of the West is taking right now. So definitely our feelings are with Canada <laughs> tonight. Yes. What's going on here in the States? Yes. So in an effort to make it through this recording without wanting to seek citizenship elsewhere, <laughs> I, I thought we could do our very best to cover all the high points of what's going on in D.C. right now. I was thinking we could call this the Washington Minute, where we try to fit as much into 60 seconds as we can. However, I will say, much like in Washington, we probably won't be able to keep that promise. <laughs> so we hope you won't be mad if we go over. And Andrew, Do you want me to time you? Yeah. Yeah. Can I? Can you set a minute on the clock? Yeah. Should I make a ticking noise the whole minute? Would yeah, that annoy you? Yeah. Sure. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna see. It's this is gonna be tough, guys. I don't think I'm gonna be able to All do right. it. But I'm gonna try. On three. One, <laughs> two, three. A new poll out of Quinnipiac <laughs> University shows a slim majority of Americans support an impeachment inquiry being carried out by the House. Voters are still split on whether or not he should be impeached and removed from office. Trump's State Department found no systemic or deliberate mishandling of classified information by Hillary Clinton. Duh! <laughs> Representative and civil rights advocate Elijah Cummings passed away on Thursday. He spent his final hours signing subpoenas to USCIS and ICE pursuing justice for immigrants across the country with chronic medical conditions. Trump also pulled U.S. troops out of northern Syria, and absolutely no one was shocked when Turkey began slaughtering the Kurds. There was bipartisan outcry, even from Senator Turtle McTurtleton of the Galapagos. Rick Perry resigned as energy secretary, showing that it is possible to be on Dancing with the Stars before and after being in Trump's cabinet. Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney confirmed a quid pro quo and told reporters to get over it. And finally, there are at least four more witness testimonies expected this week. Uh, We'll see representatives from the State Department, White House, National Security Council, and the Pentagon. Holy fuck, you did that in exactly a minute. Wow. (laughs) I'm impressed. 
that was wow that was very good (laughs) thank you some of our listeners may play that at half speed to actually consume all of that (laughs) yes i recommend it um i also have sources for all of these things so i i can put those in the show notes that way if you actually want to read about them you can i loved that okay every news item now has to be a minute long (laughs) No more, no less. I don't know if we want to do that. I think just Washington-related news items. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, if the Washington Minute got your heart rate up, we've got a sponsor who can help you practice some of that much-needed self-care and get back on track. FabFitFun is a women's lifestyle subscription box that comes filled with full-size products. We've all been getting these boxes for around a year at this point, and it's always such a nice surprise to see it waiting on the doorstep for me. This year's fall box comes in clutch right now as the weather is getting colder. I love the plush ultra soft fringe scarf that normally retails for $75. This thing is so cozy and warm and it pretty much goes with anything. These boxes retail for $49.99 and many of the items in the box, like this scarf, have individual retail values higher than the cost of the box itself. It makes me feel like I'm getting a really good deal on products I'd never buy at the store because they're too expensive. Pam and Andrew, I know you've gotten these boxes before. What's your take? Yeah, I love the variety of products that come in the FabFitFun boxes. I recently finished up a facial scrub. I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head, but it came in one of these boxes. It was full size. It had a little strawberry taste to it. So I would scrub it on my face in the shower. And I loved when (laughs) some of it hit my lips. It's like, ooh, a little tangy (laughs) surprise. And uh, yeah, it was very effective too. I felt like it was really cleaning my face, but it wasn't too rough. It was just right. Yeah, I love that there's a bunch of products that I have never heard of before that I get to try, like the Generation Clay Purple Clay Mask that we've raved about before on this show. And then also a bunch of old favorites, like I really enjoyed seeing a tube of Tarte's Lights Camera Lashes Mascara in there, um, I believe in the fall box, or maybe it was in the spring. But either way, it's a great bang for your buck. You can't go wrong. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Use coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's promo code MILL at FabFitFun.com. It's FabFitFun.com and enter coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box. Give yourself the gift of a life well lived. It's time now for a confessional update, and then we will get into our own confessionals. I know Morgan has one, too. (laughs) So last week, we had our confessional palooza. It was a lot of fun. And one of those people who wrote in has provided an update. He said, I wanted to give a brief follow-up to my previous confessional. I confessed about almost hooking up with an 18-year-old. And I just wanted to say that I did actually ask him to bring an ID with him so I could verify his age if he came over. (laughs) I also wanted to say that I had no intention of beginning a relationship with this guy. It would have just been sex. I'm sure you all understand understand the distinction, but I wanted to solidify my intention. I would never consider dating an 18-year-old at my age because I agreed that the maturity levels and life experiences would be too different to overcome. But there's a big difference between dating and a one-night stand. 
Again, I'm 100% sure that you are all aware of the differences. I just wanted to clarify my situation. Yeah, I don't know if we really clarified that ourselves or tried to, but he brings up a great point, I think. Oh, yeah. One night stand with an 18-year-old. Who cares? Oh, yeah. No, I think that it was more... I think this is where we got into the discussion about whether age differences like this one are viewed the same in the gay community Mm -hmm. as maybe they would be outside of the gay community. Because I feel like Pam and I were both kind of like, 18, yeah, like, yeah, totally legal and above the books, but like feels weird. Right. But yeah, I mean, you totally did everything right. I mean, asking (laughs) him to bring his ID... (laughs) And then for us gays, it's like, oh, 18, but hmm, he has a dick and I want one in my mouth. So (laughs) sounds great. All right. Thank you for sharing that confessional writer. And now let's share our own confessionals. Who wants to start? Uh, I have I have an unpopular opinion, I think. Maybe for some people. That's your confession. Um, Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's part of a larger thought that I have. Um, so y'all remember this whole thing with Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I personally found the amount of time and attention that was paid to that was ridiculous. I think there are far more pressing issues going on right now than who Ellen decides to sit next to at a baseball or at a ball game. I don't even know what fucking sport it was. Football. It's Texas. It, so it was football, right? It was Texas. Um, and to me, I feel like that is an example of where sometimes I feel like progressive people miss the mark. I totally agree. I thought the same thing. It it, it just seemed like a waste of time. It was. And I mean, George Bush was a terrible president. There's no getting around. Well, you might have other opinions, listeners at home. I thought he was a terrible president, though, but that doesn't change the fact that if I got seat seated next to him somewhere I would be decent right <laughs> because this is just how life works now Donald Trump <laughs> is just a fucking horrible person mm-hmm. yeah right I don't think and never got the impression that George W. Bush was a horrible person he made horrible mistakes and he allowed horrible things to happen on his watch But I think there is a distinction to be made there. And I just thought it was ridiculous that people were jumping all over Ellen over sitting next to him and then uh, addressing the Twitter lash or backlash on her show where she was like, hey, it's okay for me to have people in my life with whom I have disagreements. And sometimes I fear when this happens, I'm like, these are the kinds of things that make liberals look crazy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was very torn because Ellen's gay. So a lot of gays were commenting on this and the gays were very torn. And I just kept agreeing with whoever's opinion I last heard. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. George Bush committed war crimes. Fuck him. Why is Ellen hanging out with him? That sucks. What is she doing? She's crazy. But then I would hear an opinion on the other side. And I was like, oh, yeah, come on. Love everybody. What's so wrong about this, man? Peace and love. Peace and love. And I just kept going back and forth. And I still don't know where I stand on this. What I find funny about it is nobody said anything about Michelle Obama being chummy with Bush. I thought about that, too. Yeah. Well, 
Some people did. I saw a couple of people comment on that. But you're right. No, everyone was like, best friendship ever. Right. Handing the candy off. They were sharing candy at all of the events, which, to be fair, was super cute because unlikely couple. But (laughs) I guess at the end of the day, George Bush is a human being. He's an American. He was our president. God, I kind of hate to say it, but we should show him a little respect. (laughs) We should maybe be friendly with him if we're sitting next to him at a Texas football game. Yeah. I mean, if I was sitting next to him at a football game, I would not be the person to make a scene about getting my seat switched. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, let's have a beer, I guess. It'd be weird for me because I disagree with him fundamentally to my core. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he is not he is not the antichrist mm-hmm. <laughs> and i don't think it's helpful to the the progressive cause to be making mountains out of molehills that's how this felt to me and i know we're going to get like at least three emails about how wrong i am and i look forward to reading that them. that's okay though because i'm still split <laughs> on this i really don't yeah, know what to fine. think i think what pissed off a lot of people was ellen's defense on her show a lot of people said it was great but some other people were like why are you defending this decision i think she should have just let it go she should just not have brought it up at all i don't think she should have to defend who she sits next to at a fucking football game yeah and it's not like it's her decision really she was given tickets yeah they didn't go there together right (laughs) it's not like if they were (laughs) hanging out every week okay that would be weird but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And also I'll bring up that um Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of her closest friends was uh Justice Scalia. Two people with completely opposing views on everything. I find Scalia's views to be repugnant. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow these two people formed this lifelong kinship. They traveled to africa together like there's photos of them riding elephants and shit like so i just think that we have to be careful before we start jumping to assumptions about people based on who they might have sat next to yeah who wants to go next okay so i hope this this is okay to bring up um and this is actually something that has been on my mind for nine years (laughs) so i don't know if you all remember But at the imprint tour in Orlando in 2010. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, no, this is like (laughs) nothing, nothing crazy. Um, So I don't know if you remember that on the podcast, Matt made a joke that anybody who donated would get a kiss from him. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you remember at the show, but after in the bookstore, I went up to him and I took him up on that. I, I can't believe I did it. And he actually did it. He kissed me on the cheek and I have a picture from it. But I feel so bad that I put him in an, a position like that. And <laughs> so I've always just been thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I actually went up and did that. Oh, no. I, I mean, he he asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was happy to oblige, honestly. Yeah, Matt, he's very much a ham. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I can tell you that if he didn't want to do it, he would have said no. Okay, that's good. Because I have the picture and I still love it. (laughs) I think Matt may have fell off the face of the earth because 
he's not on Facebook anymore. Yeah, he deleted his Facebook. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's weird. I think a lot of people are doing that, though. Yeah, I think on his birthday, I went to go right on his wall and uh, Matt Britton not found. And I was like, oh, he blocked me. Cool. But then I realized <laughs> Laura couldn't see him either. And then I realized he blocked all of us. Pam, you go check. No. Can you find Matt on Facebook? <laughs> no, he's not on uh, Facebook. I can check. <laughs> so I don't oh, think how great so. would it be if we discovered right now <laughs> that Matt had actually... I'm the only one with access. <laughs> That's, I'm going to share the picture to the group right now. Okay. Oh, cute. I can go next. Um, this is not as fun as any of your guys' confessions, but um, I love my grandparents. As you guys know, I'm a total grandma's girl. But sometimes I don't answer the phone when they call because oh. I feel like they only call me so that I can troubleshoot their tech stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> that is kind not of feeling mean. it. That is kind of mean. How often I do know, they call? but it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm not appreciated because it's like they never called to ask how I'm doing. They just called to ask me to fix things for them. Oh, that's so. But I go over to their house all the time. Like how many times have I been like, oh, sorry, I'm late for work. I'm driving back from my grandparents' house. You yeah. know what? That's you setting healthy boundaries. That's okay. Oh, thanks, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> If Pam ever wanted to talk to her grandparents about this, what would be the best way to do that? I would reinforce all the things that they do that she would like. So if they call her, maybe if they even say one thing about her, just really focus on that and give them a lot of positive reinforcement and attention for focusing on that. Almost like training a dog. Training grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. What if you just started saying, oh, I don't know how to fix that. I'm sorry. And you just start coming off like you don't know anything about fixing their problems and then they'll rely on you less. Yeah, but then I feel bad because I'm lying to them. By not answering the phone, you're kind of lying as well. No, I'm just avoiding. You are there, but you're (laughs) pretending you're not. (laughs) That's a lie. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Look, I never said my rationale was uh, completely foolproof. Also, um, update, I also cannot see Matt on Facebook, so you guys don't have to feel like <laughs> I'm the special unicorn. <laughs> no, his his birthday was recently, and we heard from him, so. Well, you he, did. He's not blocked. I didn't text him because I thought that'd be weird. You know why I hate texting after you haven't texted somebody in a while? Because it's clear as day how long it's been since you last spoke to that person. Yes. Your last message, December 2008. Ooh, man. 100% have decided against after seeing how long it's been. Yes. But then some people have no shame. Like, um, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but uh, about a year ago, a a friend that I had in college that I had not spoken to in a good five years messaged me to ask if my best friend still worked at Disney and if she could get them in to Disneyland for free. Oh, man. I hate that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I When I worked at Apple, I got that a lot from people I hadn't heard from in years wanting referrals. And I was like, no. All right. So my confession, mine is definitely a little more personal and something I've been definitely alluding to on this show. Um, I have not enjoyed Chicago after all. So, yeah, just just hasn't been for me. So within the next two years, I am definitely planning on getting out of here. Where are you going to go? I don't know yet. I I, I don't know. But 
the number of problems I have with Chicago just outweighed the benefits. And the chief problem is the weather. I just seven, eight months a year. Everything is so cold and so dead. I'm just staring at dead fucking trees and I'm freezing my ass off outside. And this is coming from somebody who spent nine years in California where everything's green and and happy year round. It's just not for me. And I just don't have a purpose here because I work from home. I, I And that's another reason it's hard for me to decide where to go next because there's not really one particular place I'm drawn to for work or... Like, oh, yeah, you can move to New Jersey where your family is, but I don't want to live in New Jersey. I know, <laughs> I know that. And I want to move south, I think. That's the only direction I can tell you in terms of where I'll go next. I love the food here. I love plenty of people here. The gay scene is very good, too. And that was one reason I originally picked this place. But I have just decided that two years left. And Pat will probably come with me. Or not. And if he doesn't, we'll probably lose a patron. Sorry, Laura and Pam. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, Andrew, but... you can't just announce that. like Right? <laughs> no, he's he's interested in moving, too. But the big question is, where would we go? And I would not want him to move just for me. I want him to move because he wants to move and wants to move to a particular place. So, Atlanta. <sighs> he's going to end up in like Arizona. Andrew just I'm a desert, yeah. in the desert forever. The yeah, Somewhere it, in Nevada. Ca- it's calling to me. It, it really is. I, we can discuss this at greater length another time. But I just, again, what is my purpose in Arizona? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> I love it there, sure. But what's really drawing me there other than the weather and the beautiful vistas? I don't know. So... Sorry, Chicago. I can understand it, though. That's how I felt when I moved to New York. Yeah. I had a very different idea of how I was going to live in New York, and I imagined myself handling it very differently than what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to admit that to yourself. It's hard to admit when you were gung-ho about something, and then it's actually not the right thing for you. Yeah. yeah. So good for you. That's yeah. how I felt yeah. about LA. So I feel you. Yeah, it's been a bit of a difficult pill to swallow, but I'm also like, people are in this situation all the time. So whatever, it's okay. And on that bright note, (laughs) I actually have one more confession this week, and that's that hiring can be a slow process. Cafe El Torres COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified candidates. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. 
So before we wrap the show with another Canada check-in and some recommendations, I have another would you rather question for the panel this week. Are y'all ready? Yes. All right. Would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? (laughs) I'm just going to say right off the bat that I hate this question so much. (laughs) (laughs) Now I get anxiety just reading it. Me too. Yeah, me too. So I wanted to share the anxiety. <laughs> Shared pain. Suffer. Actually, I'm pretty confident in my answer. I want to know when I'm going to die. So I'm working towards a date so I can make plans, you know, see all these places by this date, eat all this food. I feel like I would just yeah. fall into an existential crisis, though. It's like, imagine if the date was like, even a few years away, you're like, what's the point anymore anyway? <laughs> the expiration date is looming yeah neither of these are great choices but then like how it's just gonna mess up your life forever like say you die in a car crash you're just gonna walk everywhere i mean i probably would (laughs) see this is this is kind of why the how option appeals to me because if i know how then i might be able to circumvent that outcome you know? Yeah. So like if for instance it's like, hey, like thirty-three percent of women, you're gonna have a heart attack, mm-hmm. then I can be like, Well, I guess I'll stop eating cheese <laughs> and probably fail at it, but yeah. still <laughs> I have some modicum of control, I guess. But I think this I question would... <laughs> doesn't give you the option to avoid it. You still are going to die this way. That's how I'm taking it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're not driving yeah. a car anymore, that's fine. But that just means you're going to get hit by a car. Yeah, like yeah. final destination status is going to yeah. find you in the produce aisle. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I would pick knowing when just because I'm too scared to know how. Because if it's something that's really awful, I would just be thinking about that all the time. Mm. What if it's um like a calming, peaceful, like you're going to... Die in your sleep. Would you be afraid to fall asleep from now on? (laughs) See, that I would be okay with, but I don't know if that would be the answer. Yeah. I'm afraid the answer would be um, climate-related catastrophes. (laughs) Yeah, because, see, then it would be beneficial to know when because... (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if it was that way. Yeah, I would just be scared (laughs) that it would be something painful. Yeah. So, um... Against my better judgment, I think I would go with when. Do you guys ever have a sense of when you will die? Like what age you will live to? I just assume I'm going to live past 100 because (laughs) good genes, you know, but that's that's also probably very, very, um, you know, (laughs) Mm self-assured. I have a number in my head. I think I'm going to live to 78. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That's very specific. Why is that? I don't know. It's just been in my head. Like, I used to be convinced that this is dark, but I used to be convinced that my brother was going to die at age 10. I was convinced. That's so funny. Because my brother, I'm three years older than my brother, so I just assume he's going to die three years after me. (laughs) (laughs) But like upper 70s, low 80s, that sounds like enough of a life see that's so funny because like but then doesn't it freak you out because when i think about that like sometimes i see on the news that people are dying at like 50 years old six years old and i think to myself well like geez i'm 30 now so i'm like halfway through my life and then i spiral into anxiety 
on and imagine Over something that might not even happen and watching these people die who are younger than you that too how do we stop that morgan (laughs) (laughs) put it on a leaf see i think it's that we can't stop that and just recognize that we all have this sort of existential anxiety Mm -hmm. remember that it's not therapy or substitute for therapy (laughs) (laughs) andrew i just looked it up um the average life expectancy for men in the u.s is 76 oh so i'll beat it by a couple years (laughs) (laughs) women get 81 so get some extra time laura and i 81 still doing millennial while andrew's six (laughs) feet under (laughs) we'll get out the ouija board to try and connect to andrew yes We want to hear your answer to this question. We will post it on social media and you can vote in a poll. Time now for recommendations. I want to recommend Succession on HBO. Pat and I just started watching this over the weekend. Have any of you seen it yet? Yes, I haven't, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah, really uh, funny, I guess you would say. Drama series following a guy whose dad he thought was going to be stepping down from his very high profile business he doesn't so that throws a wrench into things the family is wacky they're all assholes they're typical new yorkers (laughs) and it's really fun to watch i'm only a couple episodes in so i can't really i don't have much more to share about the plot but it's really good very entertaining and all of twitter was talking about it when season two was airing so that's what got me into it So, uh, yeah, check it out on HBO, Succession. I'm going to recommend a show on Netflix called Marianne. It's a French horror series, and it's perfect for uh, almost being at Halloween. It's, I think, like 12 or 13 episodes, but it's basically about a girl who's a writer, and she writes a novel about this demon named Marianne who ends up being real. And it's about her childhood and how this came about. And it bounces back and forth between the past and the present. Um, Really well done. Lots of practical effects in this show. So not a ton of CGI that looks like fake or campy. Um, Really good watch, honestly. And I think if you're somebody who doesn't enjoy listening to um, or you don't enjoy watching movies in other languages, they actually do have a dubbed version I think they have dub versions in Spanish and English. So, um, yeah, highly recommend. I wanted to recommend Hulu's Looking for Alaska adaptation uh, confession bonus. I am not the biggest fan of this book, (laughs) but I really have been enjoying the series. Um, I feel like the pacing is really good and it, it just like really tightens up the story in a way that I kind of didn't feel like they were going to be able to do but i'm really enjoying it so far and i feel like it's gotten pretty good reviews so if you're interested would recommend checking out at least the pilot and seeing if it's for you hypable raved about it and john green plugged hypable's review in his youtube video about it which made us happy yeah he likes hypable though i feel like he's been good to us over the years Oh, we're friends Yeah. yeah yeah and morgan what's your recommendation I recommend a Facebook page called Esther the Wonder Pig. She is a pig in a sanctuary, a farm sanctuary in Canada. And 
there's just a lot of really great Facebook posts about her and the sanctuary. And I highly recommend that you all check out the page and look at the posts. It sounds soothing. It is. And she, it's really funny too, to see all the funny videos. So this couple that has her, they have in their house, her, so she's a big pig, a dog, a cat, and a turkey as a pet. So that's adorable. Morgan, thanks so much for being on today. You were great. Thank you so and much. thank you for your insight. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. If we ever need a therapist's opinion, we would love to reach out to you and get some feedback. Yes, please. I would love that. Cool. Cool. You don't have like a website or something you want to plug, do you? For if, for people in Florida? I do. Okay, sure. It's um, no MorganLevyPhD.com. Oh, that's okay. We like helping our fellow millennials, our fellow listeners, and we would appreciate your help as well. Patreon.com slash millennial is where you can pledge to this show. It helps us keep this show going. It helps us create this community. It helps us help each other. We're trying to create this place where we can all get through life together. And your support helps keep this all going. So patreon.com slash millennial, depending on what level you pledge at, you get a variety of benefits, including ad-free millennial, after dark, hashing it out, our planning docs. You can hop into our studio as we record and a whole lot more. Laura, what are we doing on After Dark today? We're going to be talking about how often people of different generations like being reachable in this age of social Ooh. media. And I think we'll be picking Morgan's brain about how social media impacts mental health. That sounds like a great topic. I'm looking forward to discussing that. And if you do pledge on Patreon, you will get a special RSS feed that you can pop into many podcasting apps so you can get the bonus material just like you do the regular show through iTunes, etc. Our closing song today will be one of my favorite songs from Fun. Do you guys remember Fun with a period? Yeah. No. <laughs> Pam, you do. Yeah. Laura, you do. No. What's Some that song? Nights that's I the stay big one. The other one. The what the the one where it's like oh, they're sitting in the bar. Tonight we are young. Oh yeah, oh, yeah Set I know the this. world on fire. That's the one. <laughs> I'm not playing anything from that album. I'm playing something from their original album. The song is called Be Calm. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Morgan. Bye. Be calm, I know you feel like you were breaking down Well I know it gets so hard sometimes Be calm I'm scared that everyone is out to get me These days before you speak to me, you pause